Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everyone. Football is back, and Bet Online still remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, the easiest. It's the best way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag, join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much Bet Online for bringing this podcast to the people. It is time for another episode of Mikey Likes You. I am Mike E of Mikey Likes You. You are you who is liked. Uh, before we get started, remember that you should visit my Patreon. If you enjoy what you hear or what you watch here on Mikey Likes You, there's a lot more of that and it's a little bit more detailed and it gives me the ability to work actually with you. There's three different tiers and people seem to like it. I like doing it. I really do. Um, so check it out. I will put a link in the show notes below. Why don't you go ahead and give me a like, put a comment, do something to help with the algorithm of both the audio podcast and the YouTube version. Turns out that means a lot. Subscribe, like, tell a friend, hit the little bell button, all that fun stuff. All right, so Mikey likes you. Yes, let's do it. Oh, God, I got something in my eye. It's jizz. What did I? I didn't say that. Um, I solicited for questions. I put out a little request. Me and my, my donkey, Ozzy Osbourne. I put out a little request for questions. You guys gave me questions um, at my socials, at Mike Catherwood, at Mike, Mikey likes you one, the number one. And I'm going to pull them up and then give answers. That's how question and answer works. Let's get to it. Oh, Speedo awesome. I recognize you. How does your hair stay pretty much perfect after rolling in class? I will tell you, this is a man who does jujitsu with me at Gracie Humaita, Cedar Park, one of the best academies I've, I've ever seen. So if you're in Hill Country, Texas, Gracie Humaita, great Tim Kennedy uh, is one of the founders. And it's a, it's an amazing place. A great, great vibe. Great people. Um, anyway, I, I'll tell you, listen, people ask about my hair a lot. They really do. It's kind of crazy. Uh, it's genetics. I know it sounds like a cop-out, but I'm starting to believe so much of what our body does and how well it does it, it's a giant chunk of genetics. I've told the story about Carmen Electra having two bagels in the in the uh, green room for Kevin and Bean and washing it down with a regular Coke. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen it firsthand, these celebrities that just like have, and even in my personal life, just normal people who have an inability to gain body fat and are naturally muscular. It's genetics, teeth, hair, longevity. I think I, I come from a, a, every grandfather I was lucky enough to have in my life on both sides. My mom's dad, my dad's dad. They died in their 90s with big, full heads of hair. My father had, he's 
in his late seventies and in his mid seventies had was they detected cancer, lymphoma. Okay. Dude does chemotherapy. All his hair goes out. Now he's like 76 years old. No hair. Chemotherapy. Like six months later, boom, bro. So I, I, I hit the lottery with, with hair genetics. And I, I think that there's just not much else I can say about that. Uh, how are you liking, how are you liking living in Texas? What do you miss most from living in California from De La Luz 84? Well, I, I love living in Texas. I, I, I love it. I love the people. I love, um, the culture. I love having a farm and the farm animals and the more kind of hands-on way of life. What do I miss most about living in California? Dodgers. And, and Lakers, mostly Dodgers. I, I'm sure my family would want and expect me to say my family. It's my family. It's the Dodgers. And, and uh, there's amazing Mexican food out here. You know what? Honestly, another one, Jewish food. Like Jewish deli food. I love like classic old-fashioned Jewish American foods. Matzah and gefilte fish, you know, locks the whole thing. And there was, I don't know, it's certainly probably not as good as parts of New York City, but parts of LA had like a real high population of amazing Jewish restaurants, Jake Cantor's, Nate, now the whole thing, you know? And uh, I miss that because I, I, there's not a huge stronghold, Jewish stronghold here in in Texas. Um, but uh, yeah, I miss that. And I miss the Dodgers. I miss my family. I miss Jason Ellis and Tully and, and Kevin Kraft. And yeah. Uh, Martin Alum, 93. My deadlift the last two times has caused me mild pain in my left lower back. How should I treat this? Do I keep lifting heavy when it feels better in a few days? No. Here's why. Because you shouldn't be hurting your lower back, your lumbar region. You shouldn't be hurting it deadlifting. It is a clear sign you are doing something wrong. It is incredibly common. It's very easy to kind of develop that, to shift into that, what they call like the hip shift or like the butt shift and put an undue stress on your lumbar. But that's bottom line is you're not deadlifting well. Okay, you should get into a position where all your joints are stacked, your hips are over your knees, your knees are over your ankles, and your, you know, everything is kind of, and shoulders above all of that, all kind of in a straight line. And then when you go to pull, when the resistance comes from the bar, everything should stay at the same angles coming up. Meaning, if this is your torso, you don't want to go boom, boom. You know, that, that shows that you have a deficiency in the bottom of the lift. You can do pauses at the bottom with lighter weights, you know, and um, kind of develop strength in that area. You can do deficit deadlifts, which is what I do to kind of correct that. Um, but you don't you don't want to just go back after it and be like, oh, but this is this is the way it goes. Um, you clearly have a deficiency at the bottom portion of the deadlift, which is fine. And again, incredibly common. Some people have deficiencies in the lockout portion. They need to do some like wide, uh, like snatch grip rows, 
build that upper back, you know, uh, uh, rack deads. I find I have found that training the hamstrings, giving in a more hypertrophy sense, eight to fifteen reps, higher volume, and then also deficit deadlifts has has just really changed the way that I pull right off the ground, and I don't have back pain anymore, because as soon as my legs start to drive, my my shoulders are coming up too, as opposed to legs drive and then butt goes in the air and then my shoulders are able to come up once it gets to like my kneecaps. It's not how it should go. Um, you know, and also here, there's like an old, people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about like to go around the internet telling people it's just like just squatted off the ground. No, it's not. It's not a squat. If it was a squat, it'd be a squat. This is a hinge. It's not a squat movement. It's not about knee flexion. Sure, your leg drive plays a big role getting it off the ground. But you want, you know, like people then make a huge mistake. They get their butt way down to the ground and then try to squat it up. And that's where a lot of I see, you know, a lot of lumbar problems develop from that point because people have this notion that they have to be so low down and they're trying to keep their chest erect, which is a good thing. You need a proud chest, tall chest. But if your body, if you have like really long legs in proportion to like your le- your arms and your torso, that's not going to happen. So just get in the position that you can to keep it against your shins and get a good leg drive while also being able to pull with the hips and your upper back, your torso comes up immediately. If you go up with the hips without your, tor- your shoulders coming back, it, the, there's a problem. You have to be able to do that right from the start. Uh, OG Mike Hunt. <laughs> I love your podcast so much. Thank you. What does you live joke refer to? I want to be in on the inside joke. I've always wondered. Um, it's a reference to Boogie Nights. What is a near perfect film? Paul Thomas Anderson's 1998 masterpiece about the trials and tribulations of young Eddie Adams who, when he found fame, was known as Dirk Diggler. There's a scene at the end after drugs and the lifestyle and bad decisions have taken their toll on Dirk Diggler. And he's now being replaced by a new up-and-coming young porn star by the name of Johnny Doe. And they're showing a scene, like a behind-the-scenes of a, of a Johnny Doe new movie. And he is receiving a blowjob from a woman. And he has a gun to her head while she is doing that, providing that service. He's got a gun to her head. And he's d- deciding whether or not the quality of this BJ earns her life. And then he says, oh, yeah, yeah, you live. Yeah! And I, I laugh so hard when I, because it's crazy. It's so awful. It's a terrible thing that that happens. Even to the portrayal of it is terrible. But the fact that that actor decided to do, he's like, instead of, yeah, you, you bitch, you live, you get to live. He's like, yeah, you live. Yeah. And, and Dr. Drew and I used to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And so then it just became, you live was like our aloha where, Hey, you live, you know, we adopted it and then made it something positive. Like, go live your life. You get to live. You're living. But it came from Boogie Nights. Let's see here. Mark Shenard. When did you know it was time to leave previous relationships? How did you know your wife was the one I'm in a pickle? Well, 
I'll be honest, stuff like that, I, I, I think it's, I think it's foolish to kind of give advice as if there's a right and a wrong, because there isn't. How do you get into a good relationship? I don't know. I just, it just, there's a million ways. And a lot of it's just living your best life, being the best person you can be, and then things kind of attract you. How do you find your passion in life? People, people have these, and then people make money giving you answers to those questions, right? And it's like, how do you know when your relationship is, is over? How do you know th- that he or she is the one? Very good questions. And I think something that people struggle with a lot. But I can't give you like a hard, fast answer. I don't think it is a binary issue. I don't know this person that you're in a relationship with. And I don't really know you, you know. And so it's impossible to say like this is the right way or the wrong way to do it. And I'm not trying to dance around this. But I, but I, I just wanted to point that out. Like, there, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that there's no always and there's no never. That in reality, human existence, in, 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 in certain aspects of science, absolutely, there's a right and a wrong. There's a clear cut. There's not debatably, there's concrete science and mathematics and stuff. And I just don't think human existence is that way, ever There's no right way or wrong way to raise a kid or to deal with loss or to, you know, it's so nuanced, man. And and beyond, it's to the point, it's so nuanced that it's not even really nuanced. It's just, it's like saying like, you know how black is not even a color. It's just the absence of colors, right? Like, I don't think that there is even a, a scale. It's just an endless, infinite kind of, idea like the like the universe human existence i can give you my experience and maybe it can maybe it can give you something positive how do you know to get out of a relationship that i don't know Because I, frankly, don't have a lot of experience of being the one who initiates that. Um, I don't have that much experience with relationships. And that's by choice and then also by happenstance. I've been married a long time. And, you know, I was married before my current wife. That took up a lot of my 20s. And, um, you know, now I've been married to Bianca. It'll be 10 years in like a month. So there's that. So I don't have, I haven't been like bouncing around a relationship. And I also, I don't know how to say this without sounding kind of misogynistic, but I just didn't really get into relationships. Um, I would typically be in sexual relationships, lots. I was 
lucky to do that a lot with a lot of women, but I didn't only have like a handful of relationships. I feel like when you start making excuses for your partner internally, you start having these conversations with yourself and it's like, yeah, well, that's not that bad that she did because let me tell you what she meant well, but the fact that she just showed up at work because she was angry and she, and I, and I, I was in a meeting and I didn't answer my phone, but she's not nosy and not angry and jealous and, and, and immature. It's just like, she, you got to look at, well, like, no, you're, you're fucking rationalizing kind of toxic behavior. That's when you know, or when there's toxic behavior and dudes, I don't know about you ladies. I don't know. I don't know because I'm not a lady. I've talked to my wife about it somewhat, but it's uh, like, I could tell you guys, we all at some point in our life make the mistake of staying with girls who we identify. It's, it's a bad relationship, but she's hot or you find her super hot or, or the sex is great. And guys are just incapable of like separate, like our little head takes over. That happens so much. And don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't ever, there should be no, zero abuse. Zero abuse. And it doesn't always boil down to physical. People underestimate. Sometimes, the way people talk to each other, it's abusive. The way people deal with each other or how dismissive they are. So that's when you know it's over. When it's just, people shouldn't create depression and suffering for other people. Plenty of that's going to happen just by virtue of being alive. You're going to lose people you love. You're going to have regrets, make bad decisions. You're going to get ill, whatever. You're going to lose a job. You're going to have catastrophe strike. And that's suffering. That's unavoidable. It's natural. Other people shouldn't be causing you, especially the people that you love the most or that are the most close to you, shouldn't be causing suffering. So that's one thing to watch out for. How did I know my wife was the one? I'll tell you because I, when I was with Bianca, I always felt inspired to be a better guy. And it wasn't for the sake of It wasn't for the sake of like trying to impress her. It was just that rather instinctively came to me by by being with her and talking with her. I wanted to make myself a better man. And having her in my life has continued to do that. That is so early on that is when I decided um that that my wife was the one. You know, let's see here. Colin Bloy, what cars you currently own? You used to post photos of them. Thanks. Well, I sold all of my cool cars, uh, so that's why I don't post any pictures of them. I live on a really rough farm, like a real, the terrain is pretty rugged. It fucks my wife's car, which my wife has a XC90, like a really nice Volvo um, SUV. Um, 
and it's got like 22s and stuff. And so it's and and so like me driving my GTO, I had a 66 GTO. Um, I had a CTSV Cadillac. I had two of those. And then I had the SRT Cher- cheap Grand Cherokee with the Hemi in it. But I just got rid of them. Um, I, my, I have my 70, I have a 79 Jeep chief, which is really sweet. So I, I shouldn't say all the car, cool cars are gone. I have that. Um, but my motorcycle, all that, all the like muscle cars are gone. Um, yeah, so that's it. I don't have any, like if you're a big, super fast muscle car, macho guy car thing, uh, fan, then I, I'm now a disappointment because I, I had many and now I have none. Um, are you natty from S Muir one twenty one? Yes, Man. and people like they get all butt hurt about that. Um, and I will say, look, I I haven't always been natty, and I have no problem with drugs, anabolic steroids, and 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 androgenic compounds, and I don't give a fuck. I could care less. Um, and I used to use them when I was in a bodybuilding. But people then, like, they see me with my shirt off or they see me lifting or whatever. And they're like, you're 43 years old. It's impossible. Well, no, it's not impossible. I'm First off, I'm not very big. I'm not a big guy. I'm like 173 pounds this morning. I weighed myself. 5'10", 173. Um, so given that and that the, I am lean uh, and I have, a, like, I guess a, a nice physique whatever and I have some muscle. But I'm not very big. And it's pretty easy to maintain the, my because I train a lot and I eat really well, and uh, I've been doing it for like twenty years. That's what people. That's like it's different if you're like forty and you decide like, well, I better get on the. I've I've been a couch potato now. It's gonna be a completely different ball game. I have a lot of training history and a lot of like years of monitoring what I eat and gauging that shit. So I, that's, that's all I wanted to say the, you know, when people get into the natty or not bullshit, um, it, like it's, it's not really difficult without drugs to be really, really big. It's not difficult without drugs to be really pretty lean and, and look great. It's really almost impossible to do both. If, especially if you're over a certain age, it can happen genetic, like there's genetic freaks out there. They absolutely is. Um, but you know, you just got to keep where I get skeptical and I certainly, again, I will get back to, I don't get skeptical because I don't give a fuck. I don't care if Mike O'Hearn or whoever is out liver King who claims to be, I don't care if they claim to be now. I don't care if they're using, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. But I will say as far as like, if you want to do your own smell test, it's really not that big a deal to be someone to be like 10% body fat. And look great, you know, like a movie star gets in shape for a role. It's really not that big of a deal to be like huge and pull big weight. It's really, you got to like really start to get suspicious when it's both. When someone's huge, there's a lot of muscle mass and and, and they're ripped. It's, you know, unless they're, you know, 22, it's, it's, you got to start wondering. Hey, fellas, look, confidence in the bedroom is really important, and I understand it can be embarrassing to try to deal with that if you identify a problem. 
Well, Blue Chew is here to save the day. Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. All right? You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is super simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of waiting in line at the pharmacy, going to the doctor's office, zero awkward conversations. It all comes right to your door, and you get to avoid all the stuff that I know you don't want to deal with. Listen, the bedroom, when it goes down, you want to be able to perform. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? So get yourself some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. Gosh darn it, do we ever thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Remember to use that promo code Mikey at checkout. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you about a spoon, a magic spoon. Growing up, cereal, it was one of the best parts of being a child, right? Getting a bowl of cereal, some ice cold milk, mmm, it made your whole day. Well, when we're all trying to eat better as adults, why not have the number one ace up your sleeve right in your pantry at all times? And that is Magic Spoon cereal. It tastes as good, if not better, than all of your favorite childhood cereals. But you don't get any of the junk. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's just a bunch of regular old sugary cereal with some protein powder added in. Oh, no, 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 no. Zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Amazing flavors. I've tried every one, and they're all delicious. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle, fruity, cocoa. Oh, man. All of them are delicious. And like I said, they all taste as good as your favorite childhood cereals. So head on over to magicspoon.com slash Mikey, grab a custom bundle of cereal, try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout, save $5 off your entire order. Magic Spoon's so confident in this product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this here episode. What's the difference between stretching and priming from Trey Thinks? Well, there's a there's a big difference. I, I can easily see how people can kind of confuse the two. Um, and priming a lot of times is activations. Another way, it's, it's warming up. It's a proper warm-up, okay, especially for resistance training. And the difference is, is that stretching is static stretching where you hold a stretch, which is not only ineffective, ineffective, the fuck, not only ineffective, but it can be counterproductive and actually can cause more injury. There's a lot of science to show this now. Um, static, regular stretching, what, all, what we all think of when we think of stretching, like, let me hold this, uh, yeah, stretch it out, you know, yoga type stuff is not something you want to do before athletic engagement where you're going to fire your muscles. Now, 
mobility and moving through separate range of motion, sometimes exaggerated range of motion, sometimes so like leg swings, skipping. Um, if you were to, let's say you're going to deadlift. By the way, on my YouTube page, I put uh, my warm-up, and I believe it's pretty thorough and pretty easy to get into regardless of your level. Um, right here on my YouTube page, uh, I'll put another link to it. But check it out. I put my warm-up for deadlifts, squats, things like that. Um, you would want to get your upper back, right, and your glutes and uh, your hammies ready to go. So for me, I would do something like kettlebell swings. Not too heavy. I wouldn't want to drain my energy from those muscles, but I want to feel those muscles, getting blood flowing to that area. That's essentially what you're doing. You're getting more and more blood flow going to that area and preparing the joints that you're going to use to move through that range of motion without any type of pain or any limitations. Um, really good walking lunges, opening up your hip flexors. These are different than, say, just stretching. Like, I'm going to touch my toes. And I'm going to hold it there for 60 seconds. That's a There's a big difference. Instead of doing that, you would want to do, like, walk Frankenstein walks where you touch your toes or bring your toes up to your hands and get higher and higher with each step, okay? Kick your legs up, and then you're moving actively um, through a range of motion and then trying to get larger and larger range of motion each time. It's just... It's, it's a little bit more active and it's going to be able to give you blood flow and preparation for what is to come. And that is the difference. Let's see here. Mick Wilson 69. How much hate do you receive over your old brow down video? Funniest shit ever. It is the funniest shit ever. It's, it's. That, that was a great song. Okay, bro. How about I unbutton my shirt a little bit, huh? Smoke cigarette? Tell you where I'm coming from. Glendale! Browdown! Glendale's my town! Browdown! I love System of a Down! Browdown! Because I'm Armenian, bro! Covered in hair and jewelry from head to toe! Drag car cologne ingrained in my chromosome! Come to my shop, I give you pager and a cell phone! Jewelry? It's not enough Armenian rap. Um, for those of you who don't know, I did a rap song for the Kevin and Bean morning show in Los Angeles on K-Rock. God, a long time ago. I don't know, 15 years ago. Something like that. And my friend Lightning, Jay Tillis, we decided we should make a video to this because it's so, it's so funny. And at that time, the morning show had an Armenian intern, Misak Tokmachian, who went on to work for Petros and Money. Misak's a good dude. He's like, dude, you're in. Let's go. Let's go film this in Glendale. I got plenty of buddies who are down. One of them drives a BMW, like reference it in the song. Let's go. And so I put on like this like silk shirt and drew in my eyebrows to be one unibrow and we filmed the video for it. And then they posted that on YouTube and it blew, blew the fuck up. Um, and I did get some hate, but it wasn't, I also got, I got plenty of love. There was plenty of Armenian people who were like, this shit's hysterical. And I would meet them in person, you know, there, yeah, but it happened. I, I got, they were online mostly though. It was people like, I fuck you, bro. I, I'm going to kill you, stab you in the fucking heart, bro. Uh, but it wasn't overwhelming. 
there was it was a good balance. There was most people knew it's like I couldn't make that shit as a non-Armenian guy if I didn't clearly have a pretty good working understanding of our, the like American Armenian culture. And because I have so many Armenian friends, I grew up on the east side of Los Angeles. I didn't grow up in Glendale, but I grew uh, like I I have a ton of knowledge and experience and history and 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 love for Armenian people. I couldn't do that if I didn't. And I think that's shown through in the song. But uh, but there was still some people who just didn't. They weren't ready to hear that. They just want. They were like, "You're making fun of Armenians. You you're going to pay." And Armenian people are not people you want to fuck with. They they are a pretty close knit group of people. Drew and I speculated that people who were involved in potential genocide. No, I mean, to, to break serious for a second. Um, and, and in modern history, the only ones that I, I've encounter in, in, in my life has been Jewish people and Armenian people. And I got to tell you, the two most close-knit communities that I can think of. Like, they just do, you know, you, you mess with one Armenian, you're fucked. You're, it's all of, everyone in Armenia is flying to come get your um, and And, of course, you know, Jews have a long legacy of being very tight-knit. And the community aspect of Judaism is one that I actually uh, appreciate very much. Um, and I think that uh, th- there's a big aspect of organized religion that that's what really – where the value really comes in. And unfortunately, that's one of the biggest aspects that I think has deteriorated in modern times. And that's why most people – statistics show, at least in this country, people are subscribing less and less to organized religion because I, I think that the biggest value I've seen and then the, one of the aspects that when I would go to bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs and things, I was like, wow, well, these people are very close. And it's a real – it's a legitimate community and I always uh, held that in great regard um, as, a, as, a, as a goyim. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, so let's go. That's a long-winded way of answering the brow down question. Uh, my son is the Franco show says my son is 14. He's 5'9, 170. He learned a three-day split push-pull legs through his football team. What exercises would you recommend for a young beginner athlete? Or what would you do if you could start all over at 14? Also, F and love the show, man. I cried listening to your story the other day. Love you, man. And thank you much. Oh, thank you, dude. Thank you, Franco Show. That's it. Really means a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, well, okay. So fourteen. Long gone is the old wives' tale that it's going to stunt lifting weights is going to stunt your growth. Um, but regardless of what, and your son's five nine one seventy. So I don't, I don't. He's not by no means. He's not like small, but he's not someone that I was like, okay, he's going to be a fucking offensive lineman. Um, so I, I never, I never, ever, ever, ever think that people, especially young people should get away from really working on running. And I don't mean long distance running. I mean the mechanics and the disciplined practice of sprinting. Okay. Generating force off your toes like that and being able to sprint. 
is the most valuable human function. The hormonal benefits, the athletic benefits, uh, and and then getting you know practicing to get better at sprinting makes everything better. You know, force development, like say broad jumps, uh, jump squats, squats, um, split squats, trap bar deadlifts, things like that. Um, there's no athletic endeavor that that, that doesn't affect positively. It uh, everything is affected positively. Leanness, muscularity, reaction time, power development. Um, it's all there. So I would recommend sprinting and then not only just doing sprints, but figuring out ways to get better and better at it. It's always a slim, it's a very small margin of like what you can improve with your sprinting. But if you can improve your mechanics, if you can get your body more relaxed, but more capable of contracting quickly, like that's, that's just worth its weight in gold. Um, I would work on, cause at 14, it's real hard. Cause your ego, especially in the weight room is real big. Working on deadlift mechanics because a lot of young kids are deadlifting nowadays, but they are all trying to beat their buddy on Instagram. And they very quickly get into a position where they're fucking doing terrible looking deadlifts and they're going to hurt themselves. Having that ego in check and like just hammering home incredible deadlift form and just powerful hips, like developing really powerful hips. That Those are the two. Those are the two because all oh, dude, I just this is if I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't have wasted so much time fucking trying to bench press and press in bench press people, right? Impress them with my bench press numbers. It's like it really didn't carry over that much. I'm not saying don't bench, and I'm not saying don't train the the vertical pu- their horizontal push. What I am saying is like I just got obsessive about that, and I just didn't really start squatting and deadlifting till a couple years later. So, run sprints. Work on footwork and, uh, and and just like really nail, be meticulous about developing perfect deadlifts. Uh, Burning Shaba says, hey, Mike, just about four weeks in as a white belt in BJJ. Absolutely loving it. Two questions. Any tips for a brand newbie and how should I try to balance your suggested three days a week lifting routine which has been working really well for me to drop some fat. I want to roll as much as often as possible, um, but am noticing how gassed I am with my current calorie deficit. Well, yeah, look, a caloric deficit is not the time to be making tremendous performance gains. Um, but people have a lot of questions about balancing jujitsu and weight training. And the reality is, is that you just, you can build to the point where you can train for hypertrophy. And I mean, look at Gordon Ryan, look at Nikki Rodriguez, but that's after years and years and years of fine tuning their ability to train on the mats. And what I mean by that is even if they go hard, it's not going to be as taxing to them because their movements are so efficient, okay? And the reason you're gassing out, I'm going to tell you, if you're four weeks in uh, burning Shaba, I can tell you this, I, I almost guarantee it. The reason you're gassing out so much is because, not because of your caloric difference, it's because you're still too tense. 
it goes with every combat sport. I have it happen. I had it happen in jujitsu. I have it happen in boxing. I have it happen in Muay Thai. You it you have to get to the point where you are in control of your breath and you are composed because when you're tense and every like I was I was the same way. I'm not talking shit because I went through it and I'm pretty sure almost everyone who's ever got on the mats and as a white belt went through this. But you're in there and you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And the next thing you know, you're going full bore with someone who knows what they're doing and you go like this and you're like ah fuck oh God, don't, please don't pull my arm oh just fuck protect my neck ah. and everything's contracted all the time and you hold your breath and you lose sight of, of of composure and regardless of if your cardiovascular your vo2 max and your 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 power endurance every regardless of if they made zero improvement when you get to the point when you can roll even heart rolls and not be super tense. You'll be shocked at how what a difference it makes. Sh- fucking shocked. Because I used to do C two rowing circuits like crazy, and 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 I I would eat carbs right before I go in. I do everything, and I'd be like, why the fuck? I am not this out of shape. And the truth is, is that I was always t- too tense. And I would gas quick. Same with Muay you know, as soon as you were able to like, and just like relax uh, and be able to move in a way where you can practice and get better without constantly being tense. Of course, you know, someone leg kick and shit, your heart rate's going to go up a little bit. Or if someone like is, is choking you or rolls you into an armbar, there's going to be those moments. It's in a very athletic endeavor. What I'm saying is, is like when it comes to combat sports, so much of gassing out is just having being more composed and and you will prevent yourself from gassing out as quickly and as much as you do once you just start to regardless of what's happened, just be like, shh, shh, and you just be cognizant of your breathing and calm down. Just relax, man. Relax. Um, one of the amazing, I, I, I've been really lucky that wherever I trained in jujitsu has always been like a stellar experience. I first started with my friend, Orlando Sanchez, ADCC champion. Um, we were, we were friends long before jujitsu ever came into the thing. I love Orlando. We're very close. He got me into jujitsu, right? And so I trained with him for the first like two or three years. Then I moved to Venice and I started training at Crone Gracie's Academy. And Crone was a great teacher. He really was. He's an, obviously an excellent practitioner, but he was a great teacher. And he's, he's a really good guy. I like Crone a lot too. But Hickson and Crone, because Hickson would come and teach the daytime class every once in a while, especially when Crone was preparing to fight in MMA. Um, and Crone and Hickson would constantly... I mean, real like hammer home breathing as a fundamental part of jujitsu. That's how important it was to them that the idea of like purposeful breathing, like they looked at it as like, like guard. I mean, it was, it was a fundamental pillar of doing jujitsu. So keep that in mind. And then as far as like working in just if you're new and it's really important to you to get better at jujitsu, which is great, don't lift weights right before you go do jujitsu. And uh, 
I would say try to, at least for the time being, stay away from hypertrophy-based rep ranges and weights that are going to get you super sore. Developing strength right now, especially in your hips and your grip, upper back, things like that, this is, this is okay. This is good. And it doesn't take that much training to do that. It takes consistency for two or three days a week. And just don't, you know, I, I, I really caution people to not get into the I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to do Dwayne The Rock Johnson's program when you're also trying to concurrently do something really skill based in an athletic endeavor. Because being so being super fucking sore, what, the type of training that it takes in the gym to get jacked makes you super sore and being super sore fucks up your athletic ability. OK, there's no. MMA fighter, professional boxer, MMA fighter, NFL football player that is doing the high rep squats for big weight, you know, in season. It's not happening. No one of any type of athletic ability or have having any athletic ambition would ever do that. You know, you're not seeing people at the Olympic Village during the Olympics fucking, oh, let's go, buddy. No, no, that's I, there's a time and a place for hypertrophy. And it's not when you're trying to get better at something that's very physical, okay? Uh, as I said in the beginning, check out my Patreon. I'll put a link to it. If you're interested in personal training or more in-depth kind of assistance, having the accountability of reporting back to someone and having them look at your performance in the gym and then with your eating, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of value there, really. Um, and if you've just been struggling to kind of get over that hump, you, you, you're, you're aware of what you want to do and you're, you've been putting in the effort, but there's like some little thing that's causing you the resistance from making that jump. I, I really do think like some type of mentor or personal trainer can be a, a huge, huge thing. I still train with people. I, I am pretty positive. I know exactly what I need to do in the gym and I know exactly what I need to be eating to get me there. Um, but the, the idea of having someone to report to is invaluable and you can never know enough. So check it out. There's uh, three separate tiers for three separate levels of perks and shit on my Patreon. Thank you to all my sponsors and thank you to you, the Mikey likes you viewer slash listener. Seriously. Um, I started this show out of, boredom certainly not out of any desire to like make it a big thing and now i've gotten to the point where i was like let's go let's do this let's make it a thing uh and i'm only gonna make it get better i promise you that and i just can't thank you enough because i wouldn't have this desire to do it or it wouldn't really be anything to do if it wasn't for the fact that someone out there is listening and and viewing it and and coming back for more so thank you and you're a big legend remember that i mean it we all need to be told that. I really do feel like since, even if your life has gotten got back to somewhat of normalcy since COVID, I just don't feel like there's enough people telling people nice shit since COVID happened. I feel like that's a lost thing. Because everyone got, understandably, got really depressed. The isolation and everything. There was a level of despondency that just struck through all of us. And so I want to say, you, you're a big time legend. You're kicking ass. 
continue doing it. All right. In this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.